Amen. Good to see you today. Welcome. You know, uh, we're talking about the blessed life, and I want to just, I want to call your attention to something, and these, these wonderful diagrams that I, uh, I create here, sometimes they're helpful if you write them down, so I want you just to, to take a, maybe a minute and think about what we're going to be doing when we talk about the blessed life. You know, Robert Morris in his book, The Blessed Life, said this, the days of the blessed person are filled with divine coincidences and heavenly meaning. You know, what if your life every day could be characterized by something that you could point your finger to and say, that's what God did for me or through me today? What if you had a divine coincidence where you looked at your life and you said, God clearly put these things together for a purpose or for a reason because God was moving me in a direction to accomplish something greater than I could ever accomplish on my own or by myself. When we take our Bibles and we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we see a passage that's familiar to many. It says this, but without faith, it is impossible Let's just slow down there for a minute. It's impossible. You don't please God unless you walk in faith. Because you're walking in yourself, your strength, your own power. But it says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is. So first thing is, I have to believe that God is who God says God is. And then it says, and that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now that word diligently is really interesting because it literally means the secret place. It means that I seek God in the secret place. When I'm alone with God, when I'm focused on God, that's where I diligently seek him. And when I do that, God says he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now, we're going to be looking at the book of Numbers today, so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to chapter 13. We're going to look at 13 and 14 today, and this is a a great passage of Scripture because it opens up this concept of faith in a great way. Begins in verse 1 of chapter 13 with these words, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men out to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Now, what did God say he was going to do? He was going to give the land. The land is already yours. Before you go see it, before you investigate it, before you find the problems with it, I'm going to give you that land. So the promise came before the provision. And that's how God works. God will give you a promise, then God will provide it, and you'll go, wow, look what God has done. So it says here, I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man and every one a leader among them. So God said, I'm going to send out into this land somebody, a leader from every tribe. You're going to go in there and you're going to come back and give a report on the land. Now what God was doing, God was testing their hearts. You know, God does that. When God gets in our life, when he gets in the middle of our life, he begins to to open up situations to test our heart. Will you trust me? Will you trust me when you don't have evidence? Will you trust me when things don't seem to be going the way that you want them to go? Robert Morris again said, God is a rewarder. Now, sometimes that's hard to believe. I mean, is God a rewarder or is God just the God who just, he's up there and he's all powerful and, and you know, and I'm just kind of trying to make my way through and kind of get through life and survive? No, God is a rewarder. 
This is a truth about God, which many Christians don't seem to be aware of. He loves to reward us when we diligently seek his presence, his will, and his ways. He rewards good work, and he rewards good stewardship. You know, when it was, we've talked about the blessed life, there's been some foundational things. And one of the foundational things that we've talked about is the tithe. And the tithe is basically 10% of your income. Now, a lot of people say, well, I can't afford to do that. But you see, we don't actually give a tithe. We bring a tithe that already belongs to God. So what God says is there's a promise a tithe attached to this particular thing. And the promise is what he calls in Malachi the windows of heaven. So what happens is when you honor me, what I'm going to do is open up the windows of heaven. And when I begin to open up the windows of heaven, you're going to begin to find a blessing. And the blessing is going to be more than you could ever imagine. And you're not going to be able to explain it other than the hand of God. Because ultimately what God's really about, he's about your heart. He's about getting your heart. And he knows what keeps us from loving God. You know, you look at your life and you say, well, I really do love God. And Jesus says, okay, let's take you through this test and see how much you love God. And as you walk through these things, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, he says. So love is about honoring, obeying, and loving God himself. And so as we begin to process through this, I want to take you now through this book of Numbers. Now go to Numbers chapter 13, and let's look at verse 22. So then they told him and said, we went into the land. So the spies have gone out. We went into the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Now that's just an idiom that says it's a really good place to live. You're right. Everything we want is there. It's a wonderful place. It's a great place. And this is its fruit. But look at verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So it's kind of like this. Yeah, I know God loves me and I know God can work a miracle, but. And we always put that in front of it like God is too big for God or it's too big for me. But you see, he wants us to understand we have to push beyond that. Think about it like this. There is a great in time spiritual battle taking place right now in our world. It's happening. Now, we don't see that spiritual battle in the, in the spiritual realm. We cannot see it with our physical eyes, but it's happening in the spiritual realm. We've all called attention to our world and how it's changing and how there's a dynamic that's happening in our country and worldwide that's very unusual. And we wonder what God is up to. We wonder what is happening. But things are happening in the spiritual realm. And we must have spiritual eyes to see it. But we can know what is taking place in the spiritual realm by the impact it has on earth. You see, what's happening in the physical realm is somehow related to that spiritual realm. What is happening in the spiritual realm is manifest physically here on earth. So what was happening with these spies? They were going into the land, and here's what they said. They said, you know, you're right. It's a great place. It's almost like saying God is a good God, God works miracles. It's a good place. But here's what we found. We found that there's strong enemies there. We found that there are descendants of great men of valor. We found there are difficulties and problems. And what they were really saying was, 
they were relating to what was happening in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, there was opposition. And the spiritual realm was putting in their mind doubt. In the spiritual realm, these enemies of God were saying, you can't do it. And that was overriding the voice of God. Anything that overrides the voice of God is your enemy. Because it's not allowing you to move in the right dimension. Remember the apostle Peter? This guy was, I love this guy because he's just so excited. He's always running ahead of everything. And on one occasion, Jesus said to him, you know, uh, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to face my death. And, And Peter said, I'll never let it happen. And Jesus said some of the strongest words he ever said to anybody. He said, get behind me, Satan. He rebuked him. Well, now, that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? A little strong? But you see, what was happening, he was hearing the voice in the spiritual realm that was trying to override what God was doing in that physical world spiritually to bring redemption to all mankind. So God wants us to listen to his voice because have you ever noticed how the voice of the enemies are always loud and they're always chattering? Just chattering all the time. Just, huh, huh, what, are you going to do it? You're going to do it? You're going to do it? And God just gives you a still, small voice and says, here's what I want for you. Here's what I want you to do. In Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30, look what Caleb does. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. So what was that? That was the voice of faith. That was the voice of God. He was tapping into the spiritual dimension of God's voice, and he was saying, hey, why don't you do this? Let me show you what I'm going to do. You remember what I said. So there's three things that I've discovered. Write these down because these are powerful. Number one, you have to learn to accept what you cannot understand. I do that every day in the physical realm. I do not understand electricity. I don't know how it works. I don't even want to know how it works. I just know it works. I know that when I flip on a switch, the light goes on. If I have a problem and it doesn't go on, I send my wife and she can fix it, right? But I don't know how it works. But here's the thing. Because I don't understand electricity doesn't mean I'm going to sit in the dark. I'm going to by faith operate as electricity works. When it doesn't work, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to the solution. I'm going to go to the electrician. When my faith isn't working, I'm going to exercise faith. I'm just going to say, God, you said it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to believe it. When it's not working, when something's wrong, I'm going to go to the manual. I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to go to God. God, it's not working. What's going wrong? And he might show me something in my life. He might say, no, you've got to persevere. He might be saying, no, this is a test. This is something going on in your life. Now, what we're going to find out in a little bit, there there were 10 of them that gave a bad report. They said, we can't do it. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But, but you see, some of them said, we're going to accept what we cannot understand. We cannot understand how we, a people who've come out of Egypt, a slave group of people who really aren't trained in war, how are we going to defend, how are we going to take possession of this land? You have to accept what you can understand. Secondly, you have to see what is possible with God. It's not possible with you, but what's possible with God? What can God do? You ever done this? Yeah, I know God can do it, and you say it in your mind. But you don't, you're not willing to take the next step of faith and say, let me just trust God. Let me move into that dimension. Let me see what God's up to. And the third dimension is this. You have to act on what God has said. I have to stop. Okay, God said that. I'm going to go ahead and act. I'm going to move in that direction. 
You know, before I got up to speak, I looked on the back of the bulletin. I, I just encourage you to take and flip that over and look at it for just a moment. And I began to look at just the chronology, and we've, we don't know how long we're going to be able to ram stuff onto that particular one page there and say, hey, here's our story. But I was just kind of reading through it, little by little, the story of Influence Church. And it was just really, uh, just not that long ago that we actually acquired possession of this particular building. And that God gave us something. And, and if you look at that chronology, it really doesn't make sense, all the blessings that God has given us down through that time frame. And, and of course, it's not a, a, a total chronology of all that God's done. It doesn't account for people that have been healed. It doesn't account for people who've, all the people who've been saved and people we don't know been saved and, and how God has worked in your individual life. But when you stop and just recount the miracle of God, And you see in the course of a little over three years what God has done, you ask yourself, well, how did God, how did that happen? If you'd have asked me back in Savvy Ranch when we had our, maybe our first official gathering of people and said, hey, do you think we'll be able to buy a building in about a year, a year and a half? I'd say, no, I don't think so. You think that we'd see, you know, uh, thousands of people saved. You think we'd see lives changed. You think we'd see this and see that. I would probably have said no, but I really hope so. So sometimes you can't see a long way into the future. But what you can do is say, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be faithful today. I'm going to see what God is up to today. When opportunity comes, when God gives a promise, I'm going to seize the opportunity, seize the situation in a powerful way. Because we don't know what God's doing. You know, about two years ago, I was asked to pray. Pray for a young man who was in a motorcycle wreck and became a quadriplegic. His name is Alec. And there's something that happens to you when you find yourself in a situation like that. And you're looking into that that life and that family and that individual, and you're praying for healing. And there's that voice in the physical realm that says, this is just too big. It's almost like the voice of doubt that sneaks in and says, you know, I, I can... I can take care of some blindness and maybe some cancer and maybe some heart and maybe I can get somebody a job, but you know, this is too big for you, God. And there's something in me that just pulls me back. And so on two different occasions, uh, we've been asked to go and and pray at at a golf tournament fundraiser for Alec. And each time it hits me the same way. Why do I put a limit on what God can do? Why does the, what is the physical situation that's so big in any way deter my faith? And I just determine I'm not going to let it. Even if I feel it in the physical realm, I'm going to burst through it. And so just recently, that family was able to, to fly to Switzerland and, and do some stem cell implants. And, and as they did that there, you know, they didn't know if there would be any, because zero feeling, none whatsoever. And you pray for a miracle, the miracle, uh, you know, I always say uh, uh, the healing of a doctor is not a second-class miracle, that God works through us and works through our, our, the wisdom and the creative dimension of all of us, and we don't know how God works sometimes. And so we ask uh, his mother, Mary, what, what, what happened? What was the result? They've been back just a few weeks now, and they said for the first time he detected some, some sensation and that they, they, there's some feeling that's coming back. And I said, God, that's enough. 
That's enough to get started. God, that's just the beginning of what you want to do. And I find myself just saying, God said, I gave you that so that you wouldn't put limits on what I can do. Because in the physical realm, I want to reject it. I want to say it's too big. And there have been times when I've put my hands on people to pray for them, and and I think, oh, God, this is such a big problem. And God says, too big for me? Too big for me? Too big for you, I understand. Is it too big for me, Phil? God wants to push us out of that realm of that, of that natural and that understandable and say, I want you to, I want you to begin to see miracles. You see, and, and what we're really doing as we go through this, we begin to see how God takes us on a journey, and he takes us on a journey to the, really the supernatural. I want you to start working not in the natural realm, but in the supernatural realm. I want you to begin to see what I can do. And, and God is taking us through a process through this, this series on, on the blessed life. Because what is the blessed life? It's not, if you had all the money in the world and didn't have your health, would you be blessed? If you had all your health and you had no money and you were impoverished and you were dying and disease was grabbing you, what, what would, would that be a blessed life? Somehow God wants us to bring balance to our life. In Numbers chapter 13, now let's go back. Let's look at verse 31 through 33. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people. We can't do it. Why do you keep pushing us? Why, why, Moses, why do you do this? We just were so content in Egypt as slaves. We're not able, for they are stronger than we are. And the 10 gave the, the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. What does that mean? I read, I've read that a hundred times. What does that mean? Does that mean you're walking down the road and it just eats you? Does it mean it's just a harsh environment? You've already told us it was a land filling, filled with milk and honey. And because then it goes on to say, and all the people. So it's not just the land that devours its people and the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And here's what he says. We have got really, really a small perspective on what God can do. We have grasshopper vision. It's really what we have. We just look how little we are, look how insignificant we are. And you know, the the implication of that didn't really hit me until I I turned the page in my Bible. I want to just read this to you. This is amazing. Because it says in in, uh, chapter 14 and verse 22, here's what God says about the 10 who didn't believe. He says, because all of these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times. See, 10 is a number of testing, isn't it? That's why God gives you the tithe as a test. Will you trust me? He said, I gave you 10 miracles. Look at, he says, these 10 times and you have not heeded my voice. Now watch what happens. They certainly shall not see the land. In other words, he says, because of that, 
you're not going to understand the blessed life. You're going to live a life that's going to get you to heaven, but you're not going to live this blessed life. So he goes on to say, they shall not see the land which I swore to give their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit. Isn't that interesting? What an unusual phrase. He has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Wow. He said, I'm going to do something unique and special for those who really will put me to the test, who will really trust me in this process. You see, think about this. God doesn't care about the odds. Well, what's the chance of God coming through on this one? About 100%. What's the chance of me failing this if you don't trust God about 100%? You ever done the little columns? you know, plus negative columns, say, and you just kind of, okay, God, I I see all the things that are working against me, all the things that are working for me, God. Now I'm going to pray, God, I just hope that I get most of this stuff over here. That's walking by reason. That's not walking by faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Ready for this next part? Lean not on your own understanding. See, that's where we get into trouble. We start leaning on our own understanding. But it says, instead of leaning on your own understanding and always acknowledge him, every dimension, no, God's going to do it, God's going to do it, God's going to do it. How can you have that kind of faith? I have it when I say God's going to do it. That's where my faith goes up. When I say God's going to do something, God responds to that. God honors that kind of faith. God doesn't care about the odds. God often arranges the odds against you. Did you hear that? God often arranges the odds against you, and he does it for two reasons. One, so you can learn how to trust him. You see, if if it's always working in my favor, that's what happened with Job. Everything's working in my favor. God, I just, boy, there's a hedge about me. I'm protected. I'm blessed. I've got got everything going right in my life. But God says, no, I'm going to arrange the circumstances against you because I want you to learn how to really trust me. And that's why Job in chapter 42 said... I heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, and I repent. You see, he had to go through that to experience. Second thing is, so you give God the glory. If everything works good, you just say, man, I am a blessed person. And you ask a person, well, how how are you blessed? Well, I've had a good job, had a good life. Yeah, that, that is a blessing. But really, that's the blessing. What about the blesser? You see, it's always about this. God wants your heart. God wants you to love him. with all your heart and don't worry about all the stuff i mean how many of you watched the presidential debates everybody did for one reason right you just wanted to see what trump was going to do i mean let's be honest that's why we watched it we just we just the wild card i don't know what's he going to say and he did not disappoint us right in that sense of the word But if you listen to the way that that life is configured and the geopolitical situations that exist in our world and all the issues and all the conflicting solutions that are going on all from a group of people who philosophically are supposed to have a similar mindset, you'd look at it and go, wow, we are in a mess. Unless you believe in a sovereign God who's over all things, who manages the world before breakfast, 
He's not worried. He's not concerned. He's not reading headlines. He's not on drudge going, oh my gosh, look at this. No, no, no. God is in control. He is sovereign. Robert Morris said this, God is after our hearts. God is after our hearts. And the evidence that he has our hearts is this. We give simply to give rather than giving to receive. See, it goes back to the motive. God wants us to get back. And sometimes he has to take us through a process for us to discover what's my motive? What's really going on in my heart? What's happening here? God is after the motive of our heart. He says, and and we give simply to give rather than giving to receive. And we give because we want to bless people, help people, enlarge the kingdom. This rather than reward is our primary motivation. That's what we're about. What can God do with us? What can the kingdom, what can happen in the kingdom because of us? What will happen one day when we'll look back on life and we'll say, you know, it didn't make sense at the time, but now I see the hand of God. Now I see what God was doing and God is up to. Now I see why that was so significant and that was so important in my life. Chapter 14, let's go to Numbers a little bit further now. If the Lord delights in us, right now, if you could just, if you could just whisper these words to God and ask in the form of a question, God, do you delight in me? What would he say? He'd say, I delight in you in the sense that you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. But what I'd really like to see you do, I'd like to see you move into the dimension of faith that you haven't moved yet. Maybe he'd say, I'd like to see you trust me more. Maybe I'd I'd like to see you open your mouth more and speak of my kingdom more. Maybe I'd like to see you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit more and so the evidence of your life is just me. But it said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land. See, I don't know about you, but I, I want to I live this blessed life. You know, and the more I focus on, on, on just walking with God and obeying God, God says, you know what? To do that, this has got to come out of your life. This has got to change in your life. You've got to modify this. Your thinking's got to change. Your prayer life's got to change. And he's not saying it because it's a rule and and he's trying to be cruel. He says, I know what you're missing. And I don't want you to miss out on anything that I want to do in your life. And that's why I want you to be there because really it's all about love. I love you, God says. I love you. And if you don't do those things, I'm still going to love you. But I want you to know you're going to miss out on something if you do that. He said he will bring us into land. He will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. So one thing is, I don't want to say no to God, and I don't want to fear people. I want to fear God. Obey God, he's telling us here. For they are our bread. That's interesting, isn't it? The people are your bread. They're going to sustain you. If you operate this way, I'm going to take your enemies. I'm going to turn them into resources. I'm going to turn your enemies into an advantage for you. You may not know how that works, but you watch what I can do. They're going to be your bread. Their protection has departed from them. See, all the enemies that come up against you, whether they're spiritual or physical, 
supernatural or natural, all of those things, God says, here's what I'm going to do. When you start walking in obedience, I'm going to take the protection off of them. You mean God sometimes protects our enemies? He does. He does. And sometimes he takes it off. Why would God protect enemies? Because God will use enemies to bring us to a relationship with him. Look at Pharaoh. Why was Pharaoh able to survive and do what he did so long for the people of Israel? Because God had a protection on them, on him until the right time. At the right time, God says, I'm going to take the protection off. I'm going to bring in the 10 plagues. I'm going to let Israel depart from the land. They're going to cross the Red Sea. Um, The protection is off. And what happened? The evidence of it was they came to the Red Sea. They walked through the Red Sea uh, on dry land that Israel did. And then Israel followed. And guess what? The waters closed back in. And you say, well, I don't even know if that really happened. Well, archaeologists have discovered chariot wheels in the bottom of the Red Sea there, where they said they crossed. You can go online and find it. It's there. How'd they get there? How did all those chariots? Well, they said they were like old tires. They just rolled them into the river. No, no, no. No, no, no. And then other people say, well, it was, it was really the Reed Sea. It was just six inches of water. Then that's a greater miracle because God drowned Egypt in six inches of water. I mean, any way you look at it, God was up to something, Amen. Okay, so it says the protection departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And here's what you got to say. I'm not going to fear anything but God. Anyone but God. Leonard Ravenhill put it like this. When the church isn't supernatural, it's superficial. When it's not supernatural, it's superficial. We want to be supernatural. We want to walk in the spirit of God. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. The blessed life. The blessed life. What does it require? It requires that I act on God's word. Whatever God says to do, just do it. Just just do what God says in any dimension of your life. Just do what God says. The the blessed life also requires and, 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 and helps us to understand is our heritage. You realize that God is a blessing God, and God wants to bless you with blessings. And they're going to come in different shapes and sizes. God's not going to give you something that's going to ruin your life. You say, well, I wish I had that guy's blessing. That'd ruin your life. He's probably going, I wish I had your blessing. That'd ruin your life. God custom designs the blessed life for every one of us. Some people say, you know what? I'm going to bless you with great riches. Because it won't ruin your life. You're over here going, well, I'd like to have that blessing. God says, no, it'll ruin your life. Emerson put it like this, for every 99 people who can handle adversity, only one can handle prosperity. Interesting, isn't it? Proverbs said it like this. Give me not riches, give me not poverty. Give me not riches lest I forget you. Give me not poverty lest I grow hungry and steal. See, God knows how to custom design your life if you just walk with him. Amen? Just obey him. Let's stand together and pray. I want you to to just take a little bit of time right now with God. Just let God kind of minister to you. I'm going to give you some things that can prompt you in questions as we just in an attitude of prayer right now. 
I want you just in your own way just to say, God, I want to live that blessed life. And then just ask the Holy Spirit to show you what, is, what needs to happen for you to do that. Just let Him speak to you. What needs to happen for that to happen? What is He saying? It's going to be a different message to every one of us wherever we are. It might be that gentle nudge that just says, you need to trust me. You're overwhelmed with your life right now. Your situation is too big for you. I want you just to trust me. He might say your burden is too great. Would you just drop it at the cross? That's how you're going to have the blessed life. For others, it might be that God's saying, you know, you need to be in my word because your faith is diminished because you're not in the word enough. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It might be that God's saying to you, you need to, you need to, to start being faithful in your giving, faithful in your sharing your faith, faithful in loving people, slowing down, giving your time, giving your energy, giving your talent to the kingdom. Whatever that custom-designed message from God is for you, just say, God, I want that. Now let's just, just allow the Spirit of God to speak. What's he saying to you right now? Now, would you say yes to that? Would you say yes? That's your commitment. I'm saying yes to that, God. Whatever God revealed to you, whatever that little, that little nudge of your heart and your mind was, would you say yes to that? If you feel like God showed you something and you said yes to that, and we don't need to know what it is, it's between you and Almighty God. But if you feel like God spoke to you in a way like that and, and you said yes to that, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip your hand up. God bless you. Just slip it up. Just hold it up for a minute. Hold it up for a minute because I'm going to pray over you right now. You've got your hand up. Jesus, we lift our hands before you, believing you have spoken to us. This hand raised is a symbol of faith. It's not for anybody's notice, God. We're not looking around. It's just between the individual and you, God. But we're saying, yes, we want this blessed life. We spoke to us, you gave us a nudge, and you, we know what that's going to take. So God, we commit to you this morning that we will do that thing that you've revealed, that we will walk in that faithfulness, God, that you've shown us, that we will love you, God, and we will, we will expect with all the promises of God to live the blessed life that you have for every one of us. We give you praise, we give you glory. And God, we bless all people here. You can put your hands down. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May you feel the warmth of his love, the riches of his grace. May you walk in influence that you might change this world for the glory of Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. We'll see you next time.